0: the web's michael smith it's episode 163 of the canes cast and guess what what's that we're expecting big things
1: oh, i jumped the gun a little early there well well
0: first off before we thank the sponsor of this fine fine podcast which is storm brew congratulations to you the Web's Michael Smith and your lovely wife Maria you have a, a child on the way cannot wait uh, I'm so happy for you and and Maria uh, your better half clearly deserves 98 percent of the credit for all of this but arguably 99.9 I, I didn't want to I didn't want to slight you in all of That's this That's okay That's sorry Congratulations, partner! Thank this you. is this is huge news. I am so happy for you. Everybody is so happy for you. And yeah,
1: we are uh, we're super excited. Um, I know both of our families are excited because it's the first grandchild for for both sides. So I'm sure uh, I'm sure she will be spoiled, uh, which is probably good for us yep. and good for her as well. Uh, but yeah, we're we're really looking forward to it. Um, due in late July, so. Uh, hopefully the season ends with uh, maybe a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and then a parade, and then a and then a baby, and then a baby. That would be a wonderful summer. Yeah, it's. A, I think it's a race between uh, between us and the Flurries to see who has a baby first because they're due right around the same time. I'm just going to throw July 31st out there as a good day to I've have heard, a child. Yeah, I've heard it's a, a a day of birth, a popular day of birth. Indeed, it is. At least for. Canescast. Cast. Yes. Because half of the hosts here on Canescast Cast were born on July 31st. That is a fact. That is a fact. That we don't even need to have anybody
0: else confirm it because we can confirm. Yes. So, And that person being you, of course. Yes. (laughs) If that wasn't clear. (laughs) (laughs) If people didn't know, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But with that, in 21 years and however many months,
1: your daughter will be able to enjoy Storm Brew responsibly. Yes, I can't wait for her to to try some because it's a delicious light lager made by our friends at R&D Brewing right here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, Just 97 calories and 2.4 carbs per serving. It's the perfect brew for all occasions. Absolutely. and. Michael just hit the nail on the head, and when fans can come back in the building, you can enjoy it while watching the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, but you can enjoy it while watching the Hurricanes uh, at home, too, because you can pick some up at uh, your local grocer around the Triangle. Um, it's in stock uh, pretty much everywhere, yep. I think. Uh, I was in Lowe's Foods the other day and saw they had a nice case of it. I was tempted to pick some up. Might have picked some up, actually. Um, and it's... Uh, it, if you, if you don't enjoy light lagers, first of all, I mean, maybe give it a try because it is pretty delicious. Yeah. Uh, but also, they have uh, R&D Brewing has a ton of other options. Uh, Seven Saturdays is a nice IPA. One of my favorites. They've got some Isla hard seltzers, uh, if you're a seltzer fan. That's your favorites. They've got Riviera, which is a Mexican lager. So they kinda, That's everyone's favorite. Exactly. So they kind of cover the gamut of, uh, uh, of what you might want to drink. Uh, but we recommend Storm Brew here yes. because they sponsor Kane's Cast and we appreciate them for that. Thank you. And who doesn't like a light, crispy, crushable, refreshing lager? I don't uh I don't really want to know who doesn't because uh well, you know, if you don't more for us. Well, that's that's, that's how
0: <laughs> I look point. at it. There's the there's the positive. And remember, enjoy responsibly. And it's great if it's warm outside or if we've had the arctic weather without the snow that we've had it seems like for the last five years at it, least that's what gray weekends feel like yeah
1: what's uh, are we did we move to the pacific northwest
0: it felt like it felt like it all only we don't have meat and bread here Oh, well, that's a great point just wanted to bring that up and now i'm sad well, don't, because then Bill Burniston will get mad at us. This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room. I mean, we physically have meat and bread here on the East Coast and in Raleigh, North Carolina. We're referring to a sandwich shop that
1: you can find in Vancouver and Calgary and, I believe, in Seattle, right? In, in Seattle, yeah. So it's uh, adding another NHL city to the list next season, so that'll be good. Um, the the meat and bread break. NHL expansion continues. Yeah, yes. the, the circuit is, uh, is wonderful. And there's, like, a test kitchen in Abbotsford. Uh, so if if we ever end up in Abbotsford, uh, we can try the test kitchen, which I'm sure is amazing. Oh, you have gone
0: on a much deeper dive on that than I have. Oh, of course. Well, well, coming up here on Kane's Cast now as we have swerved out of the lane and have swerved back in. Yeah, we we put our blink. Well,
1: I don't even think we put our no. blinker on. We just swerved. We saw the
0: sign and went right for it. <laughs> exactly. But uh, coming up, we're going to hear from the newest member of the Carolina Hurricanes, Cedric Paquette, who is a center with Stanley Cup experience, seeing he hoisted it last year with the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll hear from him in just a minute. Also, it is a good time to point out that Brock McGinn joined us last week on Cast and promptly scored three goals and two assists. That's five points. So the line to get on this program, this podcast, and have the Cast bump for your career, as Michael Smith pointed out, off the air here on this will be long and extensive. Yeah, uh,
1: we had uh, guys lining up today in order to be on the podcast, and we had to say, oh, your, your time's not right now, but it's coming soon. Uh, so Cedric Paquette, if you're looking for a, a fantasy ad, maybe add him because it's worked out for Brock McGinn so far. Yes, and
0: it's the first time in the history of Canescast we've had to tell people, no, we're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're good. I might, have, I might have just made that up. We, yeah. we would tell everybody to come on the show.
1: We'd have seven guests on at the same time if they wanted and to. And I, I might have just made that up as well. You're, you'll also probably be hearing some uh, ambient noise from down below as the Florida Panthers are on the ice practicing. We're recording this uh, on Tuesday. You're hearing this uh, hopefully on Wednesday, the day that we release Canes cast uh, this season. And the Canes have a 5 o'clock game against said Florida Panthers. They do indeed. Uh, One of the rescheduled games uh, from the league. Uh, This was supposed to be played in late January, of course. Uh, Some COVID-related shutdowns uh, forced some rescheduling. That's why it's a 5 o'clock game on Wednesday. Also a 5 o'clock game in Tampa Bay next Wednesday. So some abnormal start times. And let me explain that, too, for people who are like, well, why 5 o'clock? Because
0: Wednesday night, NBC Sports Network has the national window and you cannot start games in the window when they have games scheduled. So you can have a game ending by the time they're ready to go on the air, but you can't basically have the bulk of your game going up against NBC Sports Network scheduled games. So that's why the Canes have the five o'clock starts against Florida and Tampa coming up in the next week or so. So that I hope that answers everybody's question. Do you want to go trade? Do you want to take a look back on the week that was? Where do you want to go first here?
1: I think uh, let's go trade first. Uh, let's break da- that down because it'll lead nicely into our interview uh, with our special guest this episode, Cedric Paquette. Um, so, yeah, on Saturday, the Hurricanes uh, completed a trade with the Ottawa Senators, sending Ryan Dezingle north of the border and acquiring forwards uh, Cedric Paquette and Alex Kachinyik, uh in exchange. And... Really, the key piece of that trade for the Hurricanes um, was Cedric Paquette. Uh, This is a player uh, who, uh, as a center, as a gritty kind of bottom six guy, uh, is exactly what the Hurricanes were looking for to add to their forward group. They were kind of missing that sandpaper element, um, and they've tried a few fourth-line centers uh, this season. Morgan Geeky, Jordan Marnuk, Stephen Lorenz. Uh, All three have played well uh, at times for this team down the middle, but Paquette is a natural center. Uh, He fits in uh, in that position, I think, nicely. And uh, I think everyone saw on Monday night just what he brings uh, to the ice, and it's really exactly what the Hurricanes were looking for, um, a piece that they felt was missing. Uh, So, you know, when you look at this trade, not only were they able to save money, uh, in sending Ryan Dezingle's contract to the Senators and acquiring two players. And then, of course, we can get into what happened with Galchenyuk. But So they save a little money there, gain a little cap space, which is crucial uh, in this season when cap space is at a premium. And then they also add a player and a piece that they feel like uh, fits in perfectly with their group. Uh, so all around, I think a, a really nice trade for the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, when you can add a 27-,
0: a 28-year-old center who knows his role who can play on the fourth line uh, is a physical element, which again, as, as Michael has pointed out to one of the things, if you look at, was there an area where the Canes could improve or add something or, or become a little bit, a little bit better. It is in that grit area, the, the hard to play against area. And that's exactly what Cedric Paquette's going to bring. And, And we've seen him over the years with Tampa be that kind of player. Now, Ryan Dezingle, we wish him nothing but the best. Hope he goes to to Ottawa and uh, captures his goal-scoring magic that he had there a, a few years before in his career. But yeah. as Michael said, this is for the Canes. This is a win-win in a bunch of areas because, one, you get a piece to the puzzle that you take a look at how the Canes are constructed, and now you look to say, okay, what else do they need? And, and look, there's always a chance to get better and add talent, Michael, if it's there, but... I look at how the forward lines are constructed, and they have four lines that is what every coach wants. You have two high end lines as far as skill goes. And now I think you could even say three because of the way that Jordan Stahl has been playing. Yeah. Uh, and he should be the front runner for the Selkie trophy right now. Yeah. And if he continues at this scoring pace, he's going to be up for a lot more hardware at the end of the year. But then you get a fourth line where you bring in Paquette, Jesper Fast and Jordan Martinuk. There's skill there, but they are a pain to play against.
1: Yeah, it's a heavy line.
0: And I think if you're Rod Brindamore, and the numbers bared it out in the Columbus game last night, you didn't have hardly any forwards touching that 19-20 minute mark. Uh, and and that's, if you can go and roll four lines, which is every coach's dream, you can do that. And this is, by the way, not an indictment, I think, on Morgan Geeky or Stephen Lorenz and their play. I think that, They have played fine, and they are going to have bright futures. But this was the Canes had a chance to get cap relief. Yeah, That's B. A is add a player who's won the Stanley Cup who will fit in great with his group. Yeah. And... Uh, for me, it was almost one of those things when you saw that the deal happened, you're like, this is a no-brainer for the Canes. Yeah, Absolutely
1: yeah. no-brainer. You, you can't surround yourself with enough winners, and winning at this level is incredibly hard, as many players will tell you. The players who have done it uh, will tell you just that. So to have someone who has been there as recently as just five months ago or so uh, is, is huge for the Hurricanes, uh, is huge for this team that is, I think now, poised and ready to take that next step in the playoffs. You have to be good down the middle in this league. Yeah.
0: And if you can have four proven commodities at center who are good in the face-off dot, and the Canes have two guys who are exemplary with Jordan Stahl and Vincent Trocek this year, add Cedric Paquette, who's very good in the face-off circle, and Sebastian Ajo is getting better every passing year at taking draws. But the Canes have talent, they have toughness, they have Everything that you want for down the middle, and you go one through four for their centers and rank them any way you want. I'll put the the center position for the Carolina Hurricanes this year up with anybody else in the
1: league. Yeah, as Vincent Trocek said last week, uh, defense or excuse me, not defense. Defense does win championships, but depth also does as well. Depth wins championships, and the Hurricanes in this trade were able to to add some depth down the middle, Uh, and that's arguably the most important position uh, in your forward group is, is being able to have depth down the middle. Uh, with Ryan Dezingle, it was a case of, you know, his role here just wasn't, I, I think it didn't fit him um, to be on, on the fourth line, obviously. And, you know, he goes to Ottawa now with the chance to play top six minutes, with the chance to, you know, score 20 goals and, and regain that goal-scoring form that, uh, that he had up there. Um, and in return the Hurricanes add a player who for what they were looking for in their system uh, makes more sense to them right now and that's really the crux uh, of this deal so um, I think without uh, any further ado let's just uh, chat with Cedric Paquette
0: uh, right now. The newest member of the Carolina Hurricanes Cedric Paquette joining us here on Cast and Uh, Cedric, I know that it's been a a whirlwind for you since Saturday just to get here and then you get thrown into a game but how good is it that there wasn't a lot of sitting around waiting for you you get here, you get a uniform and you get on the ice and the Hurricanes win 7-3 over the Blue Jackets
2: Yeah, I think it's probably the best way I took the I could have it done. I think uh, get right into it uh, is the best way. And uh, just don't have to think about anything else. Just go play hockey. And uh, that's what i did. And I think it went pretty well.
1: So take us back to, uh, to the weekend real quick. And uh, when did you learn of the trade Saturday? And then um, what happened after that? I know you flew with the team from, from Winnipeg to Toronto. But, but tell us about that, that whole journey uh, that transpired after you learned of the trade
2: yeah um I was supposed to play uh in Winnipeg that day uh two o'clock game there, so uh I just got to the ring, just got changed and um I heard my name from uh pierre and uh d j there and uh they asked me to come talk to them, so I kinda knew something was going on but uh no, it just they just talked to me a little bit, told me um I had a good opportunity to come here and play, uh, play more, uh, for the hurricane. So, uh, I was pretty pumped up. And, uh, after that, yeah, like, like you said, I, uh, I flew with the team to Toronto and then me and Galchenyuk uh, drove during the night, uh, to Ottawa, got a couple of hours sleep and then, um packed my car and my, with my dog and then, uh, drove right here.
1: That's a uh, that's a lot of miles you log over the weekend, and then you have to jump in and, and play an NHL game. How did you feel last night uh, in the eleven and a half minutes that that you were able to play with the Hurricanes?
2: You no, know, I I I felt pretty good. Um, so there those a couple shifts. I, I felt tired. My legs were a little uh, heavy, but uh, except for that, I think uh, it was uh, it was a fine. And uh, I think right now I'm feeling a little bit more tired than I, I felt yesterday. So uh, I'll get some sleep today
0: but you mentioned something when you got word of the trade and you heard that you were coming to Carolina. Uh, What does that do for you? And and again, nothing against where you were in Ottawa, but you look at where the Canes are in the standings and and what they've done the last few years. You won the Stanley Cup last year. Was it a a feeling of, I'm going back to a team where uh, we've we've got some good things we can do? Was that your first thoughts when you heard Carolina was the team that you were dealt to?
2: Yeah, of course, they have a good team. Uh, last two years, they they showed it uh, in the regular season, season, and then uh, the playoffs uh, two years ago. And uh, obviously, it's a great team. I never like to play against them, and um, I know guys in Tampa don't like to play here. So I was pretty happy and just talking to the coaching staff and uh, and Don. Uh, they wanted me to come in and play the same way I played for uh, for Tampa all these years. So. Uh, it's a pretty similar uh, situation, so I was pretty happy about that.
0: Yeah, how important was that for you? I'm I'm sure that you met with Rod Brindamore right away. Uh, could you tell us a little bit of what he told you, and if he said something along the lines of "We just need you to do what you you did in Tampa Bay"? Does that make you feel good? Like that's exactly what this team wants and felt that they needed in order to take that next step. You're you're one of the missing pieces.
2: Yes, yeah, totally. I think when you you feel uh, wanted, uh, it's always a great feeling, and you're. Uh, in your stomach and you know not that it, I, wa- I wasn't wanted in Ottawa but uh, it, it was a different situation and talking to, to Rob he just wanted me to play hard I think they, they were missing a guy like me that like they said and uh, just to come in and play the game I, I played in Tampa and um, I'm pretty happy uh, I can I get to do that here.
1: So coming into Monday night's game, what was uh what was your mindset knowing that y- you know you had logged a lot of miles in the car, uh you were you were joining a new team and playing a new system. Did you just want to kind of keep it simple and 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 really just play your game?
2: Yeah, exactly. I knew I was going to make a couple of mistakes here and there in the systems, but I just wanted to play hard, play my game, be physical, and I think I did that.
0: Uh speaking of being physical, You lined up Seth Jones and nearly ran him into the fourth row at PNC (laughs) Arena. Uh, We know that's part of your game, but as a guy who likes to play that way, do you know when that opportunity presents itself? Because it seemed that you were tracking it and you knew you had a good chance to lay a hit on a very good player. And and I, I don't know if the player matters, but what's it like when you can see a play like that developing and know I get a chance to get a free hit on somebody here?
2: Yeah, I mean, sometimes uh, it happens you don't have a chance to hit anybody. I think in the first, I didn't really have a chance. So it's just, you don't want to chase it. You just want to wait for uh, the good opportunity. And I think uh, in in the second, I had a couple good ones on zones and that one in the neutral zone. You know, I'm just tracking hard and that's the, that's what they want in the, on the team and just track hard. And I thought, Maybe if he doesn't get out of the way, I'll I'll hit him as hard as I can, and that's what I did. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh,
0: I want to go back to your days in Tampa. You win the Stanley Cup last year, but speaking of mindsets and what teams have to have, two years ago, the early exit against Columbus, and uh, I I know that that has to sting for a team that thought that they were going to win it all. But last year, you guys do win it all, and we kind of joked in the media. It was the Tampa Bay Lightning revenge tour to win the Stanley Cup. Did you guys have that mentality? And I, I hate to put it in these terms, but the season before against Columbus actually made you a sharper team when you guys got back into the playoffs. And do teams need that kind of edge when you get into the postseason of this is the chip that we have on our shoulder to grind to win that trophy?
2: Oh, yeah, of course. I think uh, you learn from your mistake, and we, we did learn from our mistake against Columbus two years ago. And you know what? Coming into camp, we didn't really talk about it too much uh, last year. We didn't want to be in our head too much. But, you know, coming uh, to the playoffs, facing them in the playoffs, now we, we started talking to about, about it a little bit more. And, uh, you know, we we wanted that, that revenge. And I think winning against them in the first round just uh, got, got us uh, – a big boost, and I uh, thought after that, we, we just knew we were going to win. I don't know if I can say that, but in our head, like we weren't, we weren't going to be denied. So I thought, yeah, that two years ago made, made us learn from our mistake.
0: I bring that up, Cedric, because your first game with the Canes is against the Blue Jackets, and there seemed to be some chirping between you and, and some of the guys on Columbus. So I have to imagine those those feelings are going to run deep for a long time with you and, and the guys who wear a, a Blue jacket sweater
2: yeah I think so. I think I mean they know how I play, and they, they they play the same way over there. They have a couple guys that that can hit that can play hard and uh they don't like to to the top player to get hit so i I understand when they they come after me after that, but you know what it's part of the game, and I won't change the way I play.
1: I want to look back to, uh, again, to your time with Tampa Bay and how was the experience, uh, in the bubble, uh, during those, uh, those couple of months that you guys were, uh, first in Toronto and then in Edmondson, what was that whole experience like? And then what was it like, uh, winning the Stanley cup in an empty arena?
2: You know, what? I, I love the bubble. I thought it was good for our team. Uh, chemistry wise, we, we spent a lot of time together and, uh, a lot the games in Toronto was different than, Winni- uh, than Edmonton, but, um, yeah, I thought it was good for us, and, you know, winning there, obviously, it was, it was unfortunate we didn't have our family and uh, and friends there, but, you know, it, it just made it more um, important to win just for us, for them, winning at home, and, uh, you know, when we came back, we, uh, we had great times in Tampa for a week, and uh, it was great.
1: Yeah, it's great to hear. And and I actually, I agree with you. I thought the bubble was, was pretty cool. It uh, How does it compare? I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. How does it compare to road travel this year, being in the bubble versus kind of being, you know, restricted to your hotel room uh, on the road this year?
2: Uh, it's, it's different. Obviously, when you move from city to city, you like to go for a nice lunch, a nice dinner with the boys, uh, enjoying the time a little bit. And now it's not the same obviously we have the lounge at the hotel but it's a little different um i like the bubble more but you know we can do a bubble for all season so uh we'll see what's in store for the the playoff this year but you know it's not too bad it's a short season so we'll get through it and hopefully next season it's back to normal
0: all right cedric as you know in, in social media everything gets put under the microscope a question you're going to get is will mocha have her own social media account? And, and if so, do you think she'll get more followers than you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not a big social media guy, but maybe my girlfriend will make one sometimes. But um, I, I, I know she talked about it before. I didn't want uh, Mocha to have her account, but <laughs> she would probably get more followers than me for sure.
1: <laughs> so what we need all the details on Mocha. What kind of dog is she? How long have you had her? Uh, and how good of a girl is she?
2: She's an Hungarian Vishla. It's a brown, bread, um, uh, 45 pound, great size. Um, I think she's gonna turn uh, three in May soon. So, uh, yeah, we have her for uh, two, two, two and a half years now, and uh, she's a great girl. You know, we've been moving a lot since uh, since the summer. Um, you know, I have house in Montreal, had house in Tampa. First one I got her. I had a condo in Tampa, so she's seen a lot of places. Obviously, it's a little stress on her, but she's a good girl, and um, you know she's good for 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 us.
0: Well, we're uh, we're happy to have her, and uh, more importantly, Cedric, you here in Carolina. Uh, and I will say merci beaucoup, monsieur, for joining us here on Kane's Cast, and uh, we look forward to uh, how this season plays out. Go get some sleep. We know it's been
1: a very long <laughs> three, four days for you.
2: All right guys, thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks Cedric. Thank you. Well, our thanks to Cedric Paquette for joining us. Um hopefully he gets some sleep because I don't think he has slept a whole lot. I- I'm I'm impressed that he was able to play 11 and a half minutes of a National Hockey League game at the level that he did after the weekend that he had. Well, you you have to think one adrenaline kicks in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. To carry
0: sure. you through, but uh what I was surprised with with his answer to that was no i felt good yeah now i'm a little tired right you you have to think that wall is going to hit uh today uh yeah. and today being tuesday when we yeah uh, to when we taped
1: with cedric paquette hopefully it doesn't hit wednesday when hurricanes host the florida panthers but i mean you know there's there's a chance that it will because as you said i think there is some you know there there's some adrenaline there for cedric paquette coming to a new team um this is a team that uh he knows uh is good and has big expectations um and uh, you know this is a chance for him to to play a key role yep. on a team that uh, that has i think legitimate Stanley Cup uh contender status yep.
0: you add a, a penalty killer you add a sandpaper guy and you add somebody who i think is going to fit in really well in the canes locker room and not only that uh the next game that the canes play you don't have to bring him up to speed with the opponent a ton because he knows the florida panthers yep. you know he's playing for the tampa bay lightning for these past few years he understands what the Panthers bring to the party, so he'll know his role. And basically more, it's just Rod Brindamore and Jeff Daniels, the coaching staff, showing some video, saying, look, this is what we do. This is where our system might be different from where you, you were with Tampa and with Ottawa. And I I hate to use this word. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of deprogramming that's going on because I think that Rod Brindamore and Cedric Paquette told us this, which is just play your game. Yeah. And... We'll get we'll get all the details ironed out as we go along. So, for a guy for that role, I'm not too worried about the system because I think he knows what's expected of him, what he needs to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, penalty killing, special teams. There's some work, but for
1: what his role is on the fourth line, yeah, he'll fit in absolutely perfect with his team. And it was great to catch up with him. Yeah, it was great to catch up with him. I thought he was uh I thought he was pretty good Uh, in his debut with the Canes. That hit on Seth Jones was um was. Excellent. I mean, he, he lined it up perfectly in the neutral zone, and Seth Jones is a—he's a bigger guy. Yeah, like, he is. That's you know, uh, that's no slouch, and and Paquette put him right into the boards. One of the things
0: about players who that's their role, I always—and I'm glad I asked him about it—you can't go out of your way for big hits because it gets you out of position. Yeah. But and I just it, wonder and it
1: could also lead to you know a, a penalty or something.
0: But I always wonder, like, how do you? How do you spot it? How do you recognize it that, all right, this is my moment. I'm going to go for it. And, And I know experience is the biggest part of it, but that hit on Jones was perfect. You know, he's not out of position. He sees it. He doesn't go and take a run at him. And, you know, that, again, we go to the Carolina Hurricanes and things that they have and things that they needed. If we can go back to why Cedric Paquette is a need for this team, you got to have guys like that, especially in the playoffs. And, and I'll go yeah. to a player who the Canes had last year, who's now in Montreal and playing very well, Joel Edmondson. Yep. You need guys who that's their, their role. And when, when guys understand this is what I do, this is what I bring to the team, not, hey, I know you should be here, but I have to have you play there, uh, it, it works better. Rod Brennamore even addressed it uh, in practice after practice today with the media. It is hard to keep all of your players happy Because, you know, somebody's going to want minutes and minutes aren't always going to be there for players. But when you got
1: guys who know their role, that
0: makes a huge difference. Yeah, it's
1: it's harder now that the Hurricanes have so much skill in their lineup. Um, which is obviously a luxury to have when you have guys like Sebastian Ajo and Andres Svechnikov, and now you have a guy in Jordan Stahl, your captain who uh is scoring all of the goals and recording all of the all of the points and you want to get him ice time because he's hot and Brock McGinn is uh is playing very well. So um obviously it's a it's a good luxury to have and the Hurricanes have that infusion of skill in in, in their lineup. But this goes to something that is uh it's an immeasurable.
0: It's something where it's not height. It's not weight. It's not goals. It's not assists. This goes to what kind of person do you have in the locker room? Yeah. And that's been one of the things that Rod Brendamore, as we've talked about changing the culture and bringing in a different mindset. Uh, we've hit on it a few times. Rod Brendamore's first year as the head coach at uh, the Fan Fest, and one fan said playoffs. He goes, "No, it's we're to be the best. That's the goal. Yep. That's the mindset he's brought in that locker room. One." You have a bunch of guys in Smitty when we were all allowed to be around the locker room. The competition level of these guys, be it ping pong or soccer or whatever they're doing. Bubble hockey when it was in there. Yeah, whatever. Catan. I don't even know what super talk is. I don't I don't either. Some board game. All right. But they all want to win. Yes. Nobody goes into that game like, well, I'm just happy to play in this game. They all want to win, but they're a group that they understand if we win, whatever my role is, as long as I do my role to the best of my ability, we got a head coach who's going to get me minutes somewhere or he's going to make something work out where we get to this point. And the same with the assistant coaches with Dean Chanel and Jeff Daniels. If we play our roles will win. And you know what? One night, it's going to be Sebastian Ajo, Tavo Teravinen, and Brock McGinn playing 18, 19 minutes. The next night, it could be Jordan Stahl with Andrei Sveshnikov and Warren Fogel. The night after that, it could be Vincent Trochek's line. Everybody understands that. And I think that, that that's the key. I don't think you have anybody in there after a game. And this is where this is important and where there's some special. And it's only 13 games at the time of recording this. But where there's some special there is... When you've got a team that's winning, and, and winning makes everybody, you know, I, I've got a lot of friends who've said this, makes everybody happy, everything yes. looks better, everything just feels better when you win. That's makes the true. our jobs easier. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But when you are winning and everybody is truly happy and understands we keep this up, we've got big things, that's when you've got a great team. And I think that's what the Hurricanes have right now. Yeah. There's nobody in that locker room going, yeah, we're winning, but I only had... 12 minutes tonight. Uh, or I only got 75 seconds of power play time. There, there's none of that from this Kane's team because it's a good
1: group of people. It's pulling on the same rope as uh, as we've heard before.
0: You got to get everybody in the, in the same direction. Yeah. And that's what this coaching staff has been able to do. That's what Don Waddell and the front office with the moves that they've made, they've identified players and then... It's a guy... The research isn't just what they do on the ice. The research is what kind of person are they off the ice to. And the Canes have really reaped the benefits of that right now.
1: And and Brock McGinn, by the way, now playing with Sebastian Ajo and Teuvo Teravainen. I, I guess uh, another Canes cast bump, you know, just speaking that into existence. You, sir, are...
0: I don't want to put this out there, but that was sage-like. Like, you saw it before it happened. Yeah. Now... We don't want to say that maybe the organization is listening to Kane's cast and then takes our lead. Maybe.
1: And if so... You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> We're here. We, you know, we can offer can we can offer here for advice. you.
0: Yeah, what else you need. Um, let's go back to one more thing on the Cedric Paquette deal where Alex Gilchenyuk yes. comes across with him. Yep. Then Alex Gilchenyuk gets waived. A lot of people are like, well, why would that happen? One, it was with the intent for the Canes to either put him on the taxi squad or with Chicago, but also to gauge interest. Is there anybody interested in him?
1: Yeah, waiving allows a team just more roster flexibility because they can then, um, you know, obviously if a team claims them, then that's that, but then um, the fact that he did clear waivers would have allowed the Hurricanes to assign him to Chicago, uh, assign him to the taxi squad, just more roster flexibility. Um, but ultimately, the Hurricanes dealt him to Toronto uh, in exchange for a couple of prospects. They received forward
0: Igor Korshkov, who
1: is in the KHL right now. Yes. And for defensemen,
0: and the last name should sound familiar, especially if you follow the Canes minor league hockey system, David Warsawski, who is the younger brother of the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes AHL affiliate, the Chicago Wolves.
1: Yes. And now, uh, so Warsawski will head to Chicago, where... Coach Worsofsky will now coach him, uh, and uh, Igor uh, Korshkov will remain in Russia um, playing in the KHL this year and having himself a, a pretty decent season. Um, he's logged. Uh, he played in the American League last year. He scored in his NHL debut as well, so perhaps there's something there for the Hurricanes. Um, but again, when you look at the deal... Um, Alex Galchenyuk's contract was just over a million dollars, and now the Hurricanes have cleared that off their books. And so when you look at the totality of the trade, the Hurricanes cleared up about $1.7 million in cap space, which is huge because now um, look down the line uh, towards the trade deadline in April. If the Hurricanes have an opportunity uh, to make a deal that, that makes the team better, now they have some of the financial flexibility in order to do so and before these two deals they were kind of just pushed right up against the cap i mean you saw in columbus the hurricanes played down a skater um now that allowed them to to open up a a a roster exemption that they could potentially use in the future if if um you know something happens again where a player's injured and there's not a lot of cap space they can bring a player up and that won't count against the cap it's a bunch of you know technical things but um, but now they actually have some some breathing room in terms of the cap, um, which is going to serve the team well uh, in the months to come. Well, and the other part of that, going back to the Columbus game where they played
0: 11-6, and six, played very well and, and lost the game. That was a game where Roslevic yeah. uh, scores late for the Blue Jackets. He's pretty good. The, the Monday night game after Super Bowl Sunday. The Canes, if they would have, they could have called somebody off of the practice squad, or off of the taxi squad, I should say. I was getting my NFL... Uh, thrown in there for a second but the canes are a cap team now and if they would have done that they would have gone over the cap and there would have been a penalty that would have been
1: incurred so yeah it just would have it would have created a bit of a tougher situation moving forward yeah Um, as far as space and adding somebody if there's space and uh you know bonuses that players could hit this year exactly there's a lot that goes into it um and folks that are way smarter than us namely eric tolski Uh, and the front office staff here crunching the numbers on a daily basis to make sure that the Hurricanes remain cap-compliant as best as possible and also maximize their cap space on a daily basis because, as we heard from Paul Kropelka um, last season on the podcast, it's kind of a daily accrual. So the further
0: you go, the more space you get, what you pay out for your team versus what the salary cap ceiling
1: is. Yeah, So um, so it's a lot more... Than just you know finding um, a player from another team and sending a player from your team. There's a lot more that goes into it. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, off the ice character. Uh, what's he like in the locker room? What's he like on the ice? What kind of rules he going to fill on the ice? And oh, also, you know, how is this going to affect our salary cap? All have to yep. be considered, especially this season when the salary cap is flat. Likely going to be flat uh, heading into next year as well. Um, and the Hurricanes, of course, with a a couple big contract extensions that they'll have to figure out this summer for Dougie Hamilton and Andrei Svechnikov. So any any cap space that they can buy themselves right now is at a premium, and they were able to not only do that, but I think fill a role that was missing prior. And when you judge uh, the totality of those moves and, and what they get from all of that, I think you know early early returns on this trade are, are, are very positive. Yeah.
0: Again, pluses pluses everywhere. And then people would say, well, why would you then trade Galchenyuk? Again, that gives you just more flexibility yep. with the roster and with the cap. And, and look, one of the things we all like to do as sports fans is talk about you know, this trade or this player fitting in here. But the salary cap is a very real thing, and you just can't go out and add anybody if you are – up against the salary cap and that's one thing that Tom Dundon since he's come in as the owner of this team he has put his money in the on ice product in the team and again the Canes the last few seasons have been a salary cap team by going up to uh, the limits where they can get there and again it's confusing and a lot of stuff with the CBA uh, the collective bargaining agreement that guys way smarter than me have to figure out again with bonuses and how that comes in but the Canes, while playing a game 11-6, nobody complained about it. They went through it. Michael just pointed out there's now going to be a, a roster exemption in the future if the Canes need it. And part of the reason why the Canes didn't have this availability, they didn't put anybody on long-term injury that could have given, them a little, given the team a little salary cap relief. So that, to me, is a good sign because that means maybe Peter Mrazek is closer to returning. Close, closer-ish. Ish. I I, I I have no idea what hand there. There are so many injuries. We know it's a hand injury we know it's a right thumb injury. So when it comes to a hand injury or a thumb injury, there are so
1: many moving, literally moving parts, especially with a thumb. Yeah. And you know, he, he obviously had surgery. Um, so there, you know, stitches and, um, I'm sure other th- medical devices involved, yeah. um, but the, the good news is he, he returned to the ice in Dallas. He's been on the ice basically every day since, uh, working with Paul Schonfelder, the the Canes goaltending coach. Um, and, you know, uh, progress is progress. I, I think at this point he's probably still week to week, you know, in terms of his availability. But um, he's working as hard as he can to, to get back as soon as he can. That's a good thing. He has been... He's been working sort of on and off with, with his stick and his blocker hand. Yeah. Um, that's obviously the, the big test because it is his, his right thumb, his, his blocker side, his stick thumb. Um, so once he's able to, to comfortably, uh, you know, play with, uh, with that, yep. um, I think he'll be ready to go. Uh, but, it, yeah, I, you know... Not a, not a certain timetable at this point. We'll say week to week, uh, but it's a good sign that he's on the ice. And Max McCormick, uh, also with his upper body injury, he's returned to the ice uh, these last couple of days to, to also work with, with Mrazik and, and some of the Canes taxi squad members. Um, that's also a good sign uh, for you know his progression. Yep. And, and he's a player who's uh, at this point going to probably head back to the taxi squad, maybe even the American yep. League uh, in Chicago. Uh, once he's healthy uh, because uh, you know he was obviously a part of that uh, uh, the roster that was uh, a little thin uh, when the Lightning and and Dallas Stars were in town uh, during the the Hurricanes first home stand Uh, but he's working his way back as well so the Hurricanes getting healthy uh, and that's good news all around. Uh, A quick
0: review as you mentioned the Dallas Stars since last we talked to you the Canes have played three games two in Dallas and then The Columbus Blue Jackets, 7-3 win on Tuesday night. You want to work in reverse order or go to Dallas? Let's just go to Dallas. All right, we'll start with Dallas where the Canes kicked it off with a 5-3 victory over the Dallas Stars. And the amazing thing to me for the Canes this year against Dallas, going into that game, they were 2-0. They won both the games here at PNC Arena. And then they bolstered their record to 3-0 against the Stars. And the Stars were kind of scuffling going into that game but the Hurricanes got a big goal by Nino Niederreiter as it was a great pass from Dougie Hamilton that sprung Niederreiter who, by the way, has seven goals on the season, but sprung Niederreiter in a game that was kind of going back and forth. And again, this Hurricanes team finds ways to get goals when they need them. There's never any panic. And then that play happens in Carolina,
1: We'll add uh, an empty net goal and win it 5 3. Yeah, that uh, the second period uh, was not that great, but uh, the fact that Brock McGinn was able to get on the board with his fifth of the season late in the period, I think, helped kind of shift the momentum heading into the third. And then, obviously, you mentioned, you know, Niederreiter, uh, you know, stretching that lead or, excuse me, actually giving the Hurricanes the lead in the third period. Um, And then the the, the empty net goal late to seal it. it was a it was a good win for the hurricanes um and I think it was not sure if it was rod brenner or one of the players but um a, a, a common refrain we've heard this season is that good teams find a way to win uh, and they're not all going to be pretty uh, and I don't know how many how many wins I'd actually characterize as pretty this season for the hurricanes but they're finding ways uh you know even even when you look at monday night's game against columbus yes it it turned into a dominant 7-3 performance but didn't start off that way yeah it wasn't exactly pretty uh and i don't know if the coaching staff would be you know too thrilled with with how uh that game uh transpired even though obviously the result is what matters um but uh but yeah, the Hurricanes starting off that trip in Dallas with a victory, um, and that was a, that was a good first step uh, for the Hurricanes to, to one get back in the win column after um, after splitting in in Columbus, and then the task ahead of them was to win that second game. Which going into it, they all three of the losses had come in the second game of two game sets on the road uh, And the Central Division as a whole. That's something they struggled with. We documented. That last week on this podcast, I wrote something about it last week, and um, and then the Hurricanes ended up winning that second game, and there were yeah. a couple other Central right. Division teams that ended up winning that second game. So it seems like it's something that's that's being figured out. Um, but uh, well, but that again wasn't easy. Although right, <laughs> the Canes gave
0: themselves after giving up the the first goal of the game in the second period, they go and score the next three, but then Dallas scores. Right. Two goals, one late in the third period on the power play. Six on four opportunity as Jake Ottinger went to the bench for the Stars on that one. And there's a moment in this game, and I don't know where you fall on this, but the Canes have an empty net. Sebastian Ajo has the puck. Yep. And Sebastian Ajo makes a backhanded pass that gets deflected. Dallas goes the other way. Yep. And Joe Pavelski scores the tying goal that gets over the glove. Of Alex Nedeljkovic. Now, I have just given you the simple explanation on that. Yep. If you go back and watch, I can't speak for Sebastian Ajo, but Miro Haskinen is right in front of him. And Ajo, if you look, feels like he doesn't have the lane to get the puck through Haskinen on net. Now, yes, he could have just thrown it behind the net and it would have taken off more time. We can all agree on this now. Yeah but he's going to make a play. He knows that Tavo Teravainen is coming. Yep. So he goes to make a play to Teravainen. If you watch and, and I'm not here to change anybody's mind. Miro Haskinen makes an unbelievable play with his stick. Yeah, it was it was to deflect the pass. World-class play. I mean, and that so everybody who freaked out over that play give credit to Miro Haskinen because while Sebastian Ajo was going to make a play, which, yes, it would have looked pretty, and I, I think that there's a lot of that, Like we can just put it in the net. and Folks, it's really easy for us sitting watching it, saying, just do this or just do that. Yeah. But, I but you've think- got to give credit to... It's very tough when you're watching a game as a fan of Team A, when Team B, the opponent, does something... Nobody wants to say, oh, well, that was just a better play. Haskinen makes a better play. That's just
1: what happens on that. He made a better play, but nine times out of ten, I think Ajo would want that back. and just Oh, get sure. the puck deep. Yeah, and that's really the crux of it. When you look at uh, where the Hurricanes have maybe faltered this season, it's when they get too cute with the puck in the neutral zone um their bread and butter is 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 getting the puck deep making the defense turn getting in on the defense uh working them grinding them getting the puck back um you know maybe working it up to the point and then getting your second and thirds that's where the hurricanes succeed it's when they start to try to make plays in the neutral zone or right at the blue line instead of just getting the puck deep that they get into trouble and that was example a yes it was a great play but if you just get the puck deep or you Try to take a shot on that or whatever that's more palatable than turning the puck over at the blue line look simple
0: I, I know that everybody loves a highlight real play and it would have been a high it would have been a highlight real backhand pass and Teravine and buries it and the canes get two in regulation simple's always better I am not going to go here and say oh 10 out of 10 times Ajo should make that play 10 out of 10 times and I think we'll see it in the future now he's going to get the puck in deep yeah or he's gonna put it on net. And maybe Heiskinen only makes that play five out of ten times or something. Uh, I don't I don't even know if he can get to it that much. Yeah. I'm just saying that for everybody who wanted to throw guff, it's the word I'm gonna use. Okay. I know it's a podcast, other people use others, but if you want to throw guff at Sebastian Ajo, I'm just saying the play that that Heiskanen made sure. that was really unbelievable.
1: It was and, just, it was just an unfortunate sequence because I thought the hit was very clean. Uh he just uh, Andrei Svechnikov oh, yeah. just hit the guy hard. Andrei Svechnikov was in the box by the way when all this was going on. So
0: it would have been a shorthanded empty net goal. I'm just going back to it's a teachable moment where the canes still get the extra point. Yeah. You know, if the Canes lose that game, I understand a lot of hand-wringing. And the first person to tell you that he, he made the wrong play will be Sebastian Ajo. Yeah. He will be the first person to tell you that. Yeah. Um, but it's not one of those where I walked out of that game going, oh, how could Aho do something like that? And, it, you know, I have the benefit of looking at the replay, and I looked at that, and I'm like, how did Haskinen get his stick from there to there? and deflect the pass the way that he did it was a great play by the dallas defender we've, we've spent enough time on that play i just wanted to get some opinion on that and, and move forward but congratulations to alex nadelkovich who gets his first ever shootout victory in the national hockey league and he stops three dallas star shooters all three of them so he's a perfect three for
1: three including, in the shootout including joe pavelski uh yeah first uh, shootout went first win of the season third win of his nhl career um yeah i thought you know i thought he played well uh in that game um you know obviously talking to him after the game he said he he would have liked to have had a couple of them back but um but i thought he acquitted himself well uh in, in in uh in that game um i think we'll we'll end up seeing him I, you know, I, I think he's going to get some more time in net just because the Hurricanes don't want to have to rely on James Reimer, uh, you know, until Peter Mraza gets back, even though James Reimer has started seven games and won all seven of them. So kind of hard to argue with that. Uh, but uh, but I thought Alex Ndalfic played well um, and uh, it was good to see him sort of get redemption in the shootout. Um, and then, of course, Vincent Trocek with his forehand backhand move that was just silly.
0: And if we can Just mention silly.
1: the shootout, the Canes are 3-0 and in the shootout. And it
0: wasn't that long ago that if a game went to overtime or the shootout, the thought process was, well, the Canes got a point tonight.
1: Yeah, 3-0 and and 9 straight, dating back to March
0: 2019. The longest current active streak of consecutive shootout wins in the NHL belongs to the Carolina Hurricanes. And Rod Brindemore has addressed this when people are like, well, why? The skill level on this team has gotten better. That's it. There's a little bit of luck, too, because
1: there are other... It is,
0: is, again, I like to call it... It's a skills competition. It's a skills competition. It's a, a magic show. You know, the point falls out of the ceiling once we get to overtime for some odd reason. But it is. It's a skills competition. So the more skilled players you have, the better your chances are at winning a skills competition. That's right. That's how it works. I don't want to get into numbers because people seem to be obsessed with me that I hate when folks use decimal points for numbers that at the end of the year will not finish with a decimal point,
1: point. Yeah, we won't get into that.
0: Uh, I mean, when you're doing averages, I get it. Let's talk about
1: the numbers from Monday night's victory over Columbus. Oh, you
0: don't, you don't, you don't even want to go no, there we're anymore. We're just
1: blowing right. All right, seven three. The keep hurricane. coming
0: at me. I feel I have to address
1: it. The Hurricanes uh, scored the touchdown in the first game uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, uh, and then they followed it up just uh, a week and a day later with. Uh, Kick an extra point, seven three victory, yeah. uh, six unanswered goals. Uh, obviously, the game did not start uh, as planned. Um, Columbus getting on the board uh, just what, what? twenty six seconds in. You, you think being down a goal twenty six seconds in and then two nothing before
0: six minutes have clipped off the clock is a bad start? Usually, not uh, the game plan. I'm just i'm I'm
1: looking for clarification from you on that one. But what I liked a lot about what the Hurricanes were able to do is that they just didn't let that phase them you know uh, it, it would have been so easy Columbus gets your, your two early goals and you kind of just fold it up and, and go from there um, maybe even you know later when Tevo Teravainen appears to have scored the Hurricanes first goal of the game it gets wiped off the board because the Hurricanes were off sides you know again it would have been easy for them just to, to fold it up and move on um, but they didn't you know Sebastian Ajo cuts the lead in half uh, and again Columbus restores that two-goal lead. Um, and you just, you, you're you looking at it thinking, oh, it's just going to be one of those nights where, um, where, you know, no matter what the Hurricanes do, Columbus is just going to figure it out and, and come away with the victory, but the Hurricanes just kept playing and they were able to get one late in the first period, Jordan Stahl. And from there, they just rolled. Yeah. Six consecutive goals. And.
0: The amazing thing for me is what you said. There's no panic in this team right now. Yeah, sense of calm. It's two nothing. They're looking up at the clock and they're looking at it with the mindset of like we say, you know, almost six minutes have gone by. You're down two nothing, and I got the feeling this team was looking up at the clock going, "All right, we got 54 minutes to get two back. Yeah, and we can do that." And congratulations to Jake Bean who recorded his first two NHL points with two assists, and Jordan Stahl keeps. Rolling. We can talk about Brock McGinn and how Brock McGinn is on an unbelievable pace for his career, Michael, where he's got seven goals right now. And as mentioned, uh, full marks to joining Kane's cast. Yeah. Brought to you
1: by Stormbrew. Tied for the team lead in goals with Nino Niederreiter, Seven yes. goals.
0: Who Nino Niederreiter scored a big power play goal yep. that pushed the Kane's advantage heading into the third period from 4-3 to 5-3, a little bit more comfortable margin, and again, late in the period. The Canes are getting really good at scoring goals with two minutes or less left in in the period. Those I don't care who scores them. Those are big goals in a game.
1: Yeah, those are momentum shifters. They're they're, they're
0: backbreakers
1: if you give them up, and they are pushes if you get them. Yeah, and uh, the Hurricanes, too. um, Quick strikes. Uh, That's been... Um, kind of a, a calling card of the team or early in the season, the hurricanes yesterday scoring uh, within 27 seconds uh, uh, of each other early in the second period and then 19 seconds um, in the third period and and when you can get goals uh, in quick succession, quick succession, well done like that, um, that also helps because again, it's, uh, you know, it, in the blink of an eye almost, uh, if you're the other team, you you say, okay, the score is one thing. And then 20 seconds later, and you're down, you know, two more goals. That's another, you know, mental roadblock. Uh, and the Hurricanes uh, this year have been, uh, have been quick to strike, um, which has been, which has been, you know, good to see from them. Uh, and, you and, yeah, I don't know where else I was going that. I, just <laughs> I, was, kinda, I, I just, was waiting. I was hanging on every word. I just kind of ran into a dead end and right. well, uh, parked the car.
0: Well, I've, I've, got, uh, I've got you covered here so you can get out of the car, walk around, because I have this uh, for you, my friend. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. You have one. And if you, I swear if you say the callers or people have tweeted one for you, just say you don't have
1: one. No, I've got one of your own. Yeah, of my own. Wow! All was, right, I've been sitting on it.
0: All right, go well. Clearly, <laughs> yeah, right. have it, have at it, Potsy.
1: Well, I was, I was going to. Uh, this was going to be in my recap last night, but then the Hurricanes scored seven goals, so the recap was super long and didn't really have room for this. But I felt like it was worth discussing, and I can kind of weave it into into this segment. the The offside coaches challenge. Should there be like a a time limit on you know how long uh, how long after a team enters the zone? Should it be if, if if the other team gains possession you know then it then it gets wiped out uh, And the reason I say this obviously is because uh, Warren Fogel entered the zone 45 seconds before Tevo Teravainen scored the goal. Uh, he ends up. He, he's not even on the ice when when Taravainen scores, um, but you know, by by the letter of the law, the Hurricanes were offside on the zone entry, so all that happened afterwards uh, should not have happened, and the goal was 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 properly called back. And we know how offside challenges happen yep. in Columbus didn't go so well, um, but obviously the officials making the right call on this, but. You know, is there something to be said about, um, you know, how long a team spends in the zone afterwards? Is, is that, is there something to look at there and, and maybe adjust the rule? Yeah. So, so I guess my my proposal is the offside coach's challenge should be adjusted for either time or possession. All right, I'll take that because there's, there's a few things to unpack here. One,
0: if the play goes on and... Columbus then fails to clear the zone. Like if Columbus has possession of the puck and then fails to clear, in my mind, it's it's a turnover. You know, if if I hate to go to football here, but you know, it's the turnover. You you gave the possession right back to the other team. So if Columbus had had chance to get the puck out of the zone after that offside and did not, then okay, I say just keep playing on. They had the chance, but then that gets into where and I'm I'm almost breaking the thing that I, I hate the most about when the NHL makes rules where they don't go black and white it goes gray yeah where you are like well if they had possession but was it really a, a good clearing attempt to get it out or right. was a guy pet so I'm leaving a lot of of gray with that so to walk that back a little bit yeah there should be I think there should be something immediate where it, you know it, we know the video coaches are watching it and they're saying it it's off sides it's off sides so be able to stop the play. And I know it's free flowing, but be able to have the coaches be able to stop the play. Yeah. Because there's a linesman by the bench. Yeah. There's something it. going on. I mean, there, there's I think there are ways because I get to what you're saying, but also the other side of it, Mike, I don't think there's any way you can change it. Yeah. Because you, you just the way that this game is played, it is constant motion. And so and, you just have to walk it back to when the offsides happened, yeah. if it's offsides. And I and,
1: and I get it because uh, you know, if the, if the linesman makes that call on the ice, everything that happens after, whether it's five seconds or forty-five seconds, doesn't happen. So it 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 makes sense. Um, but it's you know, I, I go back and forth when uh, you know when you can call a goal back uh, from a play that had really no bearing on on whether that goal was scored, except for the fact that that's when the puck entered the zone. That's really the only. But that's a big bearing. That is a big, big bearing. Play. That I is mean, a big bearing. So you're saying offside shouldn't be a rule then? That's, well, I, I just don't know uh, it. Uh, the rule obviously wasn't created for for instances like this. It was created for egregious offsides. Um, egregious offsides. It. Yeah.
0: But you know, if you have review, the point of it is to get the call right. A hundred percent. And and the officials got the call right last night. I would rather and they got it right twice. They were yeah. challenged twice and they
1: got both yep. of them right. Yep.
0: I would rather have it there than than not. I agree. I, I agree. And I'll live I'll I'll live with the abuse of the challenge for minutia because when you're saying, well, it's an egregious it's for the egregious offsides. Well, if my team is the team that gives up a goal and they were offsides by a a flea's eyelash? That's egregious. That's egregious to me. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: totally get it. Uh, and all due respect to Mike Sundheim for using his favorite word egregious. I totally get it. I I thought it was worth discussing because it, it is, is. It is one of those things that's, you know, it, it you know I, I hate when rules get abused. Yeah. And I don't I don't even think it's it's a case of a rule being abused. It's just one of those interesting facets where a zone entry happens and then You know, the puck gets cycled and... You You get an actual change of of
0: players who come in and off of the ice. Right, and then
1: 45 seconds later, a goal happens.
0: All right, here's... Walking through this, here's my amendment to what you're saying. If the players who were committed the offsides, and it's not egregious, uh, actually, after a cycle of like 45 seconds, if they're not on the ice and a new group has jumped over the boards to go and get the puck then they should not be able to review it how about that yeah maybe but again that it, it's a gray area yeah
1: so that and that's why i think i ultimately land on even after considering you know the fact that that things are going to happen like they did last night i think it's probably best left alone as is because again if the linesman makes that offsides call at the line nothing after that happens anyway yeah. so and that's what it's that's what it's designed to do. So, uh, good challenge by Columbus. Uh, yep. Good review. We knew they were going to take their time and make sure they get that one right. Yep. Um, and they did. And also, they got the one later in the game. Yeah. Right,
0: I also line. I also didn't mind Columbus challenging there. It's six three because what do you have to lose at that point?
1: Yeah, and it was I thought close enough to at least take a second sure. look at it. Um, but but I think uh, I do. Sebastiano was onside. I
0: do like that the league finally after all these years recognizes that if your skate is off of the ice but it's behind the blue line right you're still behind the blue line i like i, I never understood how they how lifting your leg off of the ice your skate off of the ice suddenly moves your body to a position where it's not yeah so glad they did that here's mine for you i'll make it real quick okay by the time we record the next canes cast a five-game homestand for the
1: canes will be done okay yes uh, and hopefully uh, yeah it, it it should be, yeah. Well, barring any unforeseen, oh, no. Let's you know, not but, go there. I'm just saying this season has I'm, been I'm, wild. You put
0: the brakes on my math rant. I am not letting you put any of this voodoo on us. Thank you. So the Canes have ten possible points here at home. Yes, they've already got two beating Columbus seven yep. three. Florida Panthers coming up Wednesday today or whenever you listen to this. Then two versus the Blackhawks and then the Lightning. I'd like you to keep it, if not, Canes
1: get eight out of the ten points. I'll take it. I'll take it because that's what I think would constitute a successful homestand. I hope it happens. Um I think 8 points are available for the taking. I think the Hurricanes can grab those 8 points and when if you take 8 of a possible 10 at home, that's a good homestand. Yeah. So I I'll, I'll I'll take that.
0: I think the game against the Florida Panthers is the biggest key to it being Eight points, more or less.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um,
0: it is funny, though. The Chicago Blackhawks, who at yeah. the beginning of the season, I tried to convince everybody, hey, don't sleep on this team. And then Kirby Doc gets hurt at the World Juniors, and their captain, Jonathan Taves, gets this undisclosed injury, illness, and, and he's not able to play. And then I'm like, well,
1: maybe not. And <laughs> here the Chicago Blackhawks with 18 points, and they've been on fire. Yeah, they've just... Uh... They found ways to, to get extra points. They've they've won a number of games in overtime, um, and they've they found ways to get points. It, it, it's interesting that they that they are hanging around the standings, and they could be one of that uh, you know one of those three four teams maybe. Look, man, every year
0: in every sport, pro or college, there's a team nobody predicts to do anything that does something great, and there's a team everybody predicts that will be great, and they're not. It's just the way that it works, and. Yep. We should have learned this lesson by now as sports fans. Speaking of learning, what's the phone number for people to call if they want to hear their voices and ask us questions here on GainesCast? 919-500-7819. It's 919-500-7819. You do that, and then you get to ask us questions like this.
2: Hey, guys, it's Micah again. Um, have a, if you like it, take it. If you don't, send it right back for you guys. Um, so do you guys think Brock will hit 20 goals this season? Uh, it's really interesting because of the streak he's on, so I want to know what you guys think. Thank you.
0: Well, uh, first off, are you awake, Micah? <laughs> Good morning. Get some coffee. Yeah,
1: maybe – Maybe get a cup of coffee or... Uh, Walk around the room a little bit. Get the blood going. Get loose a little bit. Warm up those vocal cords. Did he say Dougie at the end of that? Uh, I think he, he said... sounded like he said Dougie. I think he said thank you. Okay. Again, is early in the morning. Wow. Like, how early in the morning? Actually, this was really late at night. According to the, uh, the log, it was 1257 a.m. So, was, uh, All right. Well, you know, maybe he woke up from a dream and wanted to give us a call. It was after that... Uh, yeah, after a Dallas game, so that makes sense. He, he had stayed up late watching the Canes. Uh, so Brock McGinn scoring twenty goals. Uh, I'm gonna send it back.
0: I'll, I'll take it. Okay.
1: If he if he stays
0: with Aho and and Taravainen or Aho and Svechnikov, as predicted
1: on Kane's cast.
0: Aho Tarvainen last week. Go listen to it. The man who reads the tea leaves, Michael Smith, called that <laughs> expecting father and knower of things yet to happen. Yeah. So, with what what does happen in the future? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> if I knew, uh, well, clearly you got some kind of ESP going if on. If I knew I probably wouldn't be here. Are you reading my mind right now? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Not gonna say it. I know what comes next. I'm not Gilbert Gottfried or Will Ferrell. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think he does. Just because if if he plays with those lines, he's shown skill in uh, Trip Tracy who dug in with Scott Walker, who was the head coach in Guelph for Brock McGinn, said that Brock McGinn has in-traffic skill, meaning he finds a way to get through people, bump off of contact, and and then have the hand-eye coordination to make goals happen. He did that on his goal the other night against the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's got seven goals. He was a scorer in juniors. I think we all have have labeled him as this this tough guy, the sandpaper guy, and he is that, but I think he has more skill than what we thought. And you put a guy like that, the reason why I say 20 goals is possible this year, if you go and take a look at Tom Wilson or Brad Marchand and say that those guys are going to be 30, 40-goal guys, based on the the kind of player they are, people would say, no, who you play with helps. And if he plays with, with that group then, yeah, I think there's a real good chance of him
1: getting 20 goals this year. Yeah, I hope he does. That'd be great. I mean, he's, he's, when, he's almost halfway there.
0: When I talk to him again, I'll remind him
1: that you said no. Yeah, challenge him. <laughs> he's not going to score 20. He's going to score 30. Oh, I've, I've seen the future. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if his dad listens, but a belated happy birthday to Bob McGinn. Yes, wished Bob McGinn a happy birthday last night. Is
0: great man. 61st birthday. There is no way Bob McGinn is 61 years 61 old. 61
1: years old. I do not believe you. I uh, don't believe you. It's, it's facts only here. Uh, unless I, you know, mess something up and then something happens afterwards. But he is 61. I, okay. I, I confirmed today. <laughs> All right. So happy birthday, Bob. We got another call? Yep. Another one from Micah. Oh.
2: Hey, guys. It's Micah again. And uh. I just wanted to say congrats on your future son, I believe. Um, It should be cool for you. And uh, I have one question. Do you guys think that we could ever get a a Brock, Paquette, Marty on the fourth line going? Just get on the fourth check and finish everyone they see. I feel like that could just bruise bruise other teams if we got that fourth line going. All right, guys. I'll see you. Thank you.
0: Still not awake yet. Oh,
1: another one late at
0: night. But maybe just go to sleep, Mike. But lucid enough to ask us a
1: valid question. Actually, no. I keep calling us. We we appreciate hearing from you and uh, yeah. interacting with you. And it's a uh, it's a good question. Yeah, I think we could. Uh, that's the but that's the thing with this team right now, isn't it, Michael? That
0: I can I can see well clearly. You do, but I can see any combinations of lines that Rod Brindamore wants to put together.
1: Yeah, I mean. I, obviously, right now you want to ride Brock McGinn while he's hot on that top line. What uh, what date do you see this line coming together? <laughs> the mind of the psychic. Well, hopefully, it I, hopefully it doesn't have to because that would mean Brock McGinn is still you know having chemistry with with Sebastian Aho, Teuvo and maybe Andrei Svechkov. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's an option for the for the fourth line. Um, I think Paquette and Martinuk is a pair that you're probably going to see stick together on that fourth line. Yep. And then that other wing could change right now. It's Jesper Faust. Maybe it's Warren Fogle at some point, as you mentioned, Micah, maybe it's Brock McGinn at some point. Um, any one of those players, I think that you kind of fit there sort of fit that uh, hard to play against tough grinding heavy fourth line. Um, but right now, uh, you know, I would just—I uh, wouldn't mess with with the chemistry that that Brock McGinn clearly has uh, with the line he's playing on now. Um, but certainly an option uh, down the road potentially, um, if uh, if the lines need a shakeup. You got another call? Uh, we do have another call. Let's get to it.
2: Hello, Mike and Michael. This is Stephen and Raleigh. I hope both of y'all are doing well. And Michael, congratulations on the news uh, for you and your wife on the upcoming child. Uh, I know you're going to be a great father. My question to y'all is, with the players changing on the fly, I know they have their individual numbers uh put on their uh Gatorade bottles. Um, how are those moved around uh in between shifts? So that way I know they aren't being shared. Um, that way any potential uh germs aren't being spread. All right, y'all take care. Let's go, Kings.
1: Well, thank you, Stephen, with uh, with, a v. with he didn't, a v. He didn't announce with a, a P. Yeah, and nice. thanks, Micah, too, for the well wishes. It's, it's a daughter. A, it's, a, it's a daughter, but, hey, you know, the, it's the sentiment that counts.
0: I like how you brought in a, another psychic to talk to you here because he knows you're going to be a great father. Yeah, I you know, I certainly hope so.
1: I know you're going to be a great dad. Well, There's no you. doubt in my mind. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for the question, Stephen. Um, it is a good question because, yes, the – Um, as we saw in the bubble last year and obviously that's continued into this year the players have their individually marked water bottles uh, and Gatorade bottles and you're obviously moving around on the bench uh, during games so sometimes uh, you do have to have a hand from another player to maybe uh, hand the water bottle over to you or you just kind of bide your time until you get down to, uh, to where your water bottle is. I do think they are strategically placed on the bench so that you know, hopefully, you know, when you come off the ice uh, from a shift or, uh, you know, if you're moving down the bench, your water bottle is going to be accessible. Um, but I, yeah, I, I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah. I think that they just
1: move them down the line.
0: Yeah. There, it's a lot of guys sit in the same spot. Like, I know it's not the Hurricanes, but Alex Ovechkin sits at the end of the bench for the caps. So some guys sit in the same spot. So they normally keep the, water bottles they can keep them within close proximity
1: of where the guys usually sit. Yeah. I would like to think. Sometimes, you know, obviously you, you run into situations throughout the game where the water bottle is in one place and players in the other place, but again, that's that that's as easy as getting it handed down the bench or just, you know, waiting until you might slide down the bench. And this might come as a surprise, well not to you cuz you know the
0: future, but I am not a doctor or a scientist, but I do wonder, Michael, because there's squirt bottles if it's a safer play, you know what I'm I'm driving at, where you don't actually have to, yeah, put the put the container to your mouth and drink that way, and then have right. an exchange of fluids where it's just squirted on
1: you. Yeah, I, I think you still don't want phrasing, by the way. Yes, um, and I well, let's see if I can get through this. Uh, I still don't think uh, the league wants, um, you know, water bottles that are obviously not touching the mouth, but A couple inches in front of the mouth, uh, there's particles that could... uh, I'm no doctor, by the way. I don't know if you guys knew that. Neither of us are. I I, I thought you were at one point when I first met you. (laughs) It's what I tell people. I'm a doctor. All right. Do we have any other calls? No, that's it. All right. No more calls. We've got a
0: couple of uh, the old-fashioned tweets at us for people to want to know what's going on. This one from Alan Morgan. Martin will finish the season leading the Canes forwards and
1: block shots. I'm guessing that's one of these. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. I'm going to send it right back. Yeah, I'll send it back. Yeah. It's, it's probably going to be a defenseman. If it's a forward, it's going to be one who...
0: Canes no, forwards. He, he went specifically oh, forwards. Oh, Canes
1: forwards. Sorry. Uh, It's probably going to be someone who kills penalties McGinn. with a little more regularity. Brock McGinn. Yeah. Although... HS has shown a, a proclivity of getting in front of shots, getting in front of them. He has, and he's seen more time on the PK. Um, I just think it's going, yeah, uh, Brock McGinn's a, a good answer for that one. Vincent Trocheck, maybe. Uh,
0: Alan Gunn responding to a Michael Smith tweet of Nino Niederreiter's team leading seventh goal of the season. He's getting 20. Bet! He typed bet in all yeah, caps, I, so I figured I had to shout it.
1: Yeah. Um, he might. He might. I don't know. I, he might.
0: More likely in your mind, Niederreiter to get to twenty or McGinn to get to twenty. I mean, I'll say Niederreiter just because, because you'd said that Brock wasn't going to. Yeah, and you know you can see the
1: future. Rider is, I think. I mean, he is the, the the Hurricanes got him for his pure goal scoring ability. Now. I think it's probably inevitable that at some point he's going to cool off from the start that he's had. That's just how goal scorers end up working. They're hot, they're cold, they're hot, they're cold. Um, he's hot right now, so the Hurricanes are riding him. Um, there's a decent chance he gets to 20. I, You know, we'll see. Again, he's like McGinn. He's almost halfway there already, and we're only 13 games into the season. So we're quite a ways off from the halfway mark of the season. Uh, and they are not so far off from the halfway mark to 20. I'm going to say both guys get to 20. That would be that would be good news for the
0: Hurricanes. Because I think a few guys we expected to get to 20 might not. And a few guys that we weren't expecting might. I think Jordan Stahl might get 20. I was going
1: to say, is Jordan Stahl getting to 20? He I might. think
0: uh, the way he's playing, he might get to 20. Vincent Trocek might get to 20. Andrei Svechnikov gets to 20. I don't know if Tavo Taravainen gets to 20. If we're we're speaking of the numbers and,
1: and where the guys are at. And and to put this in perspective too, 20 goals in a 56 game season is equal to almost 30 goals in an 82 game season. Yes. So so 20 goals is it's a significant amount. Um Can Nino Niederreiter do it? Probably. One of the
0: only reasons and I'll make a defense for you why Niederreiter has a higher probability than Brock McGinn is Nino you know, Niederreiter gets power play time where Brock McGinn doesn't. Yep, but Brock McGinn already has a shorthanded goal this year. He kills penalties. Maybe he gets uh, a couple of shorthanded opportunities that he buries and that gets him closer. And again, it depends on the lines you're playing on. If if Brock McGinn, I'm basing this off of, he's going to play with a combination of, of Sebastian Ajo, Tavo Teravainen, or whatever. I need to look to Michael Smith to see what his line combinations will be from day to day, but that he'll play with that kind of combination. If he does that for the next 43 games, I'd like to think he can get 13
1: goals in 43 games playing next to those two guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a fair point. It is a fair point.
0: Uh, and this will sound odd, if that happens, I don't know if Sebastian Ajo gets to 20, but he ha- might have far more assists than what I thought he was going to have. right. Yeah, that makes sense. So and that doesn't mean that Ajo has a down year if he doesn't pot 20 in 56 games, but if he's got like 40
1: assists, hey, go back a few a few podcast episodes, maybe more than a few podcast episodes, but when we talked about what the key was going to be for the hurricanes heading into the season, secondary scoring. And they're getting it. They're getting it.
0: And now one more. This is from Ross P. Hey, Ross. An idea, maybe a contest where Canes fans could create and submit their brief 30, 45 seconds, entries for a Stormbrew commercial to air on Kane's Cast, kind of like Rhett and Link style. Could be fun.
1: I think it could be great. I'm for it. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to create um Stormbrew commercial for us, uh, a theme song for us, because I mean, you know, let's be honest. We've asked for the theme song. We actually had somebody telling us that
0: a theme song was on the way. Oh, yeah? yeah d- don't you recall? Well, I never saw one. So. I know. <laughs> just somebody who plays the keys and is greasy oh. said that he had one coming for us. He's a demo one on the keytar? Yeah, and it never, uh, never materialized. I it's would, all right. It's okay. People have lives. I understand
1: it. Yeah, and it's, you know, we're just a podcast. But if anybody wants to record a theme song for us, we'll play it every single episode. Maybe we'll hook you up with some swag. If you want to create a Stormbrew read for us, mix it up a little bit. Again, we'll play it. Again, maybe we'll hook you up with some swag. Maybe we'll hook you up with some Stormbrew. We we know people. We've got connections. Not promising anything. I'm just saying, you know, Maybe. Could you hook me up with some Storm Brew? I
2: I don't mind
0: buying it at the store where, by the way, you can find Storm Brew at all of your favorite local grocery stores at just 97 calories and 2.4 carbs. I mean, it's a perfect, crispy, light, refreshing lager that goes great with everything, especially when watching Carolina Hurricanes hockey or even better when listening to Canescast. Was that an ad? It
1: was. Wow. Well executed. Thank you. I did what I could. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, Ross P. Uh, if you want to record a, um, thank you. If you want to record a, a Stormbrew read for us, or a theme song, or if any listener wants to really record anything for us, I mean, you know, we play your voicemails on air. We we love interacting with you, whether it's on Twitter, through the voicemails. Uh, we love that, that you all enjoy the show, or at least I guess most of you do. Um, so yeah, if you if you want to send us stuff, uh, feel free to. And send it to us on Twitter. You can drop it, uh, email, webmaster at Check that inbox from time to time. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to, to anything you might send us. Yeah, I'm I'm up for it. And hey, who knows? If we can mix it up a little, I'm, I'm all for that. Maybe you can get a really cool Storm Brew hat like one of us has. Well, maybe you'll get one too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was just on my desk one day. <laughs> I I I don't ask questions. Yes just, you do. I just get answers. You
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm out.
1: Thank you. Uh that's that's a perfect way to end this episode. I think so. Episode 163 of Kane's Cast. And again, congratulations to you, Thank
0: you. Michael, and to your wife. Uh you, you are going to be great parents. We are all excited for you as a late July little baby Smith will be on the way she will be a absolute bundle of joy for uh, you and, and your family and you are right as the first grandchild you won't have to worry about anything because yeah. grandma and grandpa on both sides will take care of whatever the baby needs and you guys will be doing more than the rest to take care of that you're going to be great parents
1: and I cannot see the future like you but I can be 100% sure that that's going to happen. Well, cheers to that. Thank you. Uh, she's going to be a huge Caniac. She's already probably a huge Caniac. I know. I'm sure that Trip Tracy's waiting to say that. Thank you. Um, Yeah. All right. I think that's uh. think that's about it. Yeah. Ooh, just thought of a sound drop we're going to need Dad for next time from another huge Caniac. <laughs> Uh, maybe we'll get around to that. Yeah. How much editing am I going to have to do on that? Well, I don't know. All right. Well, we'll figure yeah. that out when we get there. Uh, we'll talk to you next Wednesday. I it's know the cool. Hurricanes have another game next Wednesday, just as they do this Wednesday. So if you're we'll listening probably, to this. probably get you like a Tuesday record, Wednesday drop. Yeah. Just uh, just like the last couple of weeks, maybe we talk to um somebody that you all probably know and love. Really? Yeah. No, I'm interested. He he played for the Carolina Hurricanes last year. Oh. And that's all I'll say. I have an idea of who that could be. All right. Well, tune in next week and find out. I don't know if anybody's made it this far. We're about, we're almost 90 minutes deep in this one. I know who has made it this far, although we might have lost him early on.
0: This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room.
1: If he made it this far, he probably knows. Who our guest will be next. Yeah, week. and I'm sure that, well, we got a text like an hour ago
0: from him. Yeah.
1: But here yeah, we this are. This podcast off to a terrible start. Stay in your lane. Get in your lane. Yeah, we we, we found our lane. Yeah. It might have taken us five
0: minutes or so, but we found it. and We drove it for nearly 90 minutes here. Yeah. A perfect place for us to say uh, goodbye. By the way, can I mention that Joel Quenville does look like the logo of the Florida Panthers? It's not my it's not an original thought. It went out on Twitter first, but I went, That's kinda oh my gosh. Yeah, it kinda looks like that. One of the best coaches in NHL history too, by the way. So looking forward to that matchup. It's gonna be a really big matchup. Yeah. Because the winner of that game will be in first place in the central division at the end of it. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Giving you a little bit of advice and knowledge. That's that's it for the rest
1: of the year for me. <laughs> There's uh the standings are just so weird now because you know, teams have played such a disparate amount of games. Some teams have played 16 games. Some teams have played nine. Yeah. It's kind of weird. New Jersey's playing for the first time in about a month. Yeah. So.
0: Well, when you get 17 players yeah. on the COVID protocol list. All right. That'll do it. Okay. That's it.
1: Good place to end this right here. Let's get out of it now. Absolutely. Finding another tangent. For the
0: Web's Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. Uh, and for the Web's Michael Smith's baby
2: on the way. We'll talk to you next week. Moy moi. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this podcast. <laughs>